Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of Scooter and the Big Man. The New York Mets right now are 24 and 29. We are two and a half games out of a wild card spot with seven games left to play. So we're not making the playoffs. Anyway, we got an NL Cy Young race to talk about. We have Andy Martino to hopefully pitch him to get him on the podcast. We talk about our new savior to the franchise, Steve Cohen. And random Met of the Week, also segments, good morning, good afternoon, good night, let's and let's get it started. Get it started. Yeah. Let's get it started. Ah. Let's get it started. PJ, we're two and a half games out of a playoff spot with seven games to, like, seven games to go. And I think it's over. Yeah, you're done. I, I, we'll go through it a little bit, but I, I had a lot of highs throughout this week where I was feeling it. Um, but I think after today, after the seven nothing loss to the Braves, I think I think the life has finally left my body. So you're so you're saying you're done. This is after midweek. I want to say Thursday. You tried yeah. to shame me into into saying that the Mets were uh, all the way back and that you're buying all the way back in. I believe when I said when I said let me uh, let them show me more than the three game winning streak one time this season. You the shamed Phil- me. <sighs> all right, so let's we're gonna go right into the Phillies because the Phillies series made me believe again. Not game one of the Phillies series. Uh, Mets do drop the first game of that series four to one. Uh, your boy Ricky Raindrops, Rick Porcello goes six innings, four earned runs, and the Mets honestly could not get anything going against Arietta. Uh, good thing he left with an injury, I guess, but it didn't matter. We still couldn't score for shit. He actually looked like Cy Young Award Jake Arietta this start, which is like the first time since he signed with the Phillies where he looked that good. And of course, it comes against the Mets, but you know that's just what happens. I, I've come to expect this throughout my years and years of watching this team and this shitty fucking season. But I just want to say. This you could say my boy Rick Porcello in, in your whatever words. That's not an awful start. That's if you can get that out of him every game that he starts, you fucking take that. You wanna know something? My note for this was like if every starter on this team give you six innings, four earned, like at this point, like you'd probably be like, All right, that was fine. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not gonna flaunt that this is a this is some sort of great start. But I mean from what is perceived to be your four or five starters, six innings, four earned. You take that every single time. But it really didn't matter. The offense couldn't do anything this game, aside from a Brandon Nimmo homer. The only other note I really had for the first game of this series, and I can't remember why I wrote this down, and if I say it, maybe you can. Um, I don't like Hector Norris at all. Why don't, wait, why don't you like him? I see him get on the mound for Philly. And I just get, I just feel like that, like emotion towards him that I feel towards like uh, Inciarte on the Braves. Like I just see him and I immediately hate him. So it's so it's anger, dislike, not like I uh, dislike him because he's good. Because I was gonna say if you if you said you dislike him because he's good, then no. I don't think you've ever watched him pitch. He's a bad player. Yeah, he's he's a bad player, but like. In this game in particular, like he wasn't getting some strike calls that like were like borderline, and he was like showing not like he was kind of showing up the ump. He was like waving like to get the ball back faster and like shaking it off. And it's like, dude, you're fucking garbage. Like you are not at that level where you can be doing shit like that. See, he's garbage. That's why I don't. I don't feel the same uh, hatred towards him that I do like an NCRT type because I know that he's trash and that he. He can't. He can't really back it up whenever he's flaunting or or showboating or whatever the fuck he, he wants to do. 
Yeah, but he's just not good enough to do that. And I think that just immediately made me strongly dislike him. Um, but from the first game, honestly, there's there's nothing. nothing. There's nothing to really talk about here. They drop at 4-1. Uh, game two and game three of this series were, dare I say, magical. Because they made me believe that the New York Mets were about to go on a run to shock the baseball world. Like I was putting it everywhere. I tweeted that the Mets are going to make the playoffs. Luckily I did that on my personal account. So I really didn't get any buzz whatsoever besides a couple <laughs> friends from back home. And everybody was roasting me, including you, including all of them being like, this team has won three games in a row once this twice. season, twice this season. Um, and that still remains. I, I don't, I don't like that. You said I roasted you. I said, let me see them do it consistently before I say they're all the way back. I want to be like those, those two games. And we'll talk about the second game in a minute, but those two games were, were, were awesome. Now I full disclosure, I was trying to keep up with it, but I, I moved this week, so I couldn't fully watch, but that first game I did catch the end of. And it was, as you say, magical that, that felt like a, a late September uh, run to get into the playoffs team, like a team of destiny, so, sort of. And it came off the heels of Jacob DeGrom getting hurt. And at that, once he got hurt, I was like, all right, season's officially over. And they came back. I was like, okay, that's cool. Let me see you do it more. And they did it more the next day. I was like, all right, let's see it again. And they disappointed. But we'll talk about those games later. So we now know, so Jake only goes two innings this game. He, he let goes three runs in those two innings, which is like – the second most runs he's allowed all year or most runs he's earned run, almost earned runs he's had all season. Um, he did have the four run game, but it was only one earned during that game against the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he hurts his hamstring in this game. Jake's ERA now up to a 2.09 on the season, which is still ridiculous and still in the Cy Young race. If you ask me, he went from being the front runner to probably being in the second to third spot right now with that, unfortunately, luckily uh, Bauer and Darvish weren't lights out in their last start. They were still good, but they were like two or three earned runs, but like over six and seven innings. So they didn't know no candidate put their name at the number one spot yet. Yeah, it was it was big that Darvish and Bauer didn't have like lights up performances. I think if I think if either of them, uh, especially Bauer, had like a eight inning uh, nowhere and ten strikeout game, I think that might have solidified him as the Cy Young. But thankfully, they didn't have that, so it's still open for Jake. But I think that I I think this game might have taken him hour at least put him in comfortable third right now. So like. We're going to fast forward a little bit, but like if Jake gives you two starts of like seven innings, 10 Ks, no earned, like I think that's the only way. If he makes his next two starts, like he has to go like seven, like a one or no runs and strike out double digits both times. Like that's the only way for him to get back to that number one spot. See, I don't even know if that's enough. I think they have to focus on uh, Bauer and Darvish having bad starts more than Jake having his good starts. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think he controls his destiny is what I'm going to say. I think he he needs help from from Bauer and Darvish to help him get that third Young. I agree with that, but but Mets win game two of this game, five to four after losing Jake, and the man that saves this game, and at the moment he saved the Mets season, was Michael Walker. 
with four innings of relief, one run. Are you ready to say Michael Waka is better than Rick Porcello? Uh, he pitched really good in the bullpen. I, I'm a man of integrity. He had a really good outing out of the bullpen. But the answer is still no. And I'll tell you why when we talk about the game that happened today. All I'm saying is the Mets lost today 7 nothing. So uh, Mets won the game Michael Waka pitched. Yeah, that doesn't matter. All right. Uh, also in this game, who will give credit where credit is due. Um, Justin Wilson had a really good inning. Um, Miguel Castro struck out the side. And Edwin Diaz also struck out the side. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say because I've – I don't hate to say it because I want the guys in the team to do well because I want them to win. But I've talked a lot of shit about Edwin Diaz. He's pitched, he's pitched very well in these last couple of games, but I'm still – I'm still not ready to, to believe. Not yet. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what you what your take on his like late season surge is, but I'm I'm still not. I'm waiting until next season to see him put it together with a 162 game schedule. No, I'm kind of in on it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I am. Uh, okay. I think I think if you look at Edwin Diaz's season as a whole from just a a stat portion, mm-hmm. he's elite. If you just look at his stats without us, we've obviously watched everything. His stats would tell you he's elite if you didn't watch a single Met game and you looked at those numbers. He has more he has more strikeouts than innings double, which is ridiculous. Those, like those stats, yes, those are ridiculous, but it's not all the stats that are ridiculous. He still has uh, like a 5.5 uh, walk per nine, which is awful, especially for a closer. And he also still has, what, four or five blown saves out of the eight that he's had. Like, this, the, the, the baseline stats, like the ERA, the strikeouts, they look good. They look really good. But that, that's not all the stats. Like, if you want to say, oh, his stats look good, those are stats that I tell you that don't look good. But I, give credit what he's doing. He, he's, he's looked better. I mean, his ERA is under a 1.7 on the season. And we've said this before too, when we were talking about like mid season, Edwin Diaz, every single time he would come in, they were putting him in, in like these awful fucking situations. A lot of his save situations, he was coming in with like two or three guys on and it was just like, all right, fucking fix it. You're the elite closer. And I, we've talked about this, like you're the elite closer. You're supposed to get us out of those more than like, let them get away. However, I do think, like, he's convinced me. He's got me in a little bit where I feel like going in to 2021, I can trust Edwin Diaz probably more than any other name in that bullpen right now, assuming South Lugo's not in the bullpen. I was going to say, to be fair, that no one in that bullpen is really trustworthy. Uh, but I'm not ready to trust him. He, come, he comes in every game. I'm still, I'm still clutching. I'm still not ready to, to believe. He – I – I don't know, man. I've been burned so many times by this fucking guy, and I get that you know we bring him in tough situations and whatnot. But and I understand if you can if you let that go uh, a couple times, like that, those are tough situations. You're not going to get out of 100 percent of the time. But you bring him out with runners on base. I don't think I've this this year definitely. I don't think I've ever seen him get a uh, get a clean inning with a guy with guys on base. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that if you're the shut down elite closer that everyone's telling me you're back to now, you got to be able to do that at least. Like, I still have not seen that. All right. We have to talk about the offensive side of the ball, though, from this game. Yes. J.D. Davis is a pure stud. Three hits, three RBIs. And 
our young shortstop, our future shortstop for years to come. Officially, that is him. I'm sorry. Like I'm, we said it on the last episode about Ahmed Rosario, but this is this is Andre's job to lose, and he hits to go ahead, like go ahead hit in the eighth inning to give them the lead here to win five four. We've been saying we uh, us two have been on the Andres Jimenez hype train uh, all year. I love I love this kid, even though in like the, one of our first episodes, I even asked you, uh, "Is it too early for me to love him?" I don't remember what you said. You might have said I pumped the brakes a little bit, but no, he has an elite love already. He has shown that he can hit the major league level at a semi consistent rate. He had that one dip in uh, offensive production for a little bit, but. That's to be – I'm not too worried about that. He's a rookie. He's been a consistent, like, 280 hitter and with a stellar glove. This is our shortstop, and I like I like Ahmed. I still think there could be a role for him, but it's not an everyday shortstop. I'm ready to put a mod uh, – not a mod, a med in a cannon and fire him into the sun. I am, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. Uh, I, I know that's such a shitty take, and I, I feel shitty saying it, but, like, I'm, oh, I'm just – it didn't work out. You know what I mean? I, I, and I know he's going to fucking turn into like a Travis Darno who we're going to talk about later, who just fucking decided that he personally wanted to end the 2020 Mets, like regular season, like hopes of making the playoffs. Like he personally wanted to do it. And I think that's okay that if a Rosario becomes that, as long as it's like in the American league and I don't have to see him ever again. Listen, I'm fine with them uh, moving on from Rosario. I still don't think he's like a shit player and someone that if he's, if he stayed in the Mets wouldn't have some sort of role, but I, I think saying fire him into the sun is a little much considering that's the same phrase we use for like Jerry Familia. Yeah. And I hate Familia. He's not, he's not a fire him into the sun level. Like fire him into the sun is, is Jerry Familia 2019 Edwin Diaz Brody uh, for me, Miguel Castro. I'm not ready to fire Miguel into the sun. I am. I fucking hate the guy. <laughs> I'm, honestly, like, he struck out the side in this game. Later on, we'll talk about some negatives that he had. Um, but I am. I need to see more of Castro before I officially hate him because the man throws 100 with movement. But we've seen this from so many guys, 100 with movement, nasty stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he has no fucking control. I'm tired of seeing it. it's the same fucking pitcher we have every single time. But like, every single I, guy in our bullpen is the same pitcher. I get trapped though. Like I fall in love with it at first because like it's like a couple weeks. It's like a new shiny toy. He comes in, he throws a hundred with fucking movement, and I'm like, holy fuck, we just got this guy for like a random minor leaguer. Meanwhile, that was like the fucking pitcher of the year in the Mets organization. But we're not going to fucking acknowledge that because we have a guy who throws a hundred with movement, and then he doesn't know how to locate, and he actually has no idea how to pitch. He just knows how to throw. 100 with a little bit of movement. <laughs> it's the same fucking guy. With It's the same guy with a different name. It I cannot put it any simpler than that. Hansel, Hansel Robles, Miguel Castro, Jerice Familia, um, Edwin Diaz, fine. He is that He is that guy. That's, that's still that's still him to me, but still, they're all the same type of, you don't know where the ball is going when he, get, when he throws it. So, game three of the Mets-Philly series, the bullpen kind of bails them out again after the starting pitching fails to go less than three innings. Uh, Seth Lugo gets smacked around in this game. Six earned runs after an inning and two-thirds. Uh, Bryce Harper got the best of him twice with two, like, fucking monster home runs. Um, so early on, right away, like, 
Mets are down in this game. They did score in the first inning, um, but immediately just down. And, you know, your bullpen is already taxed from having to carry the load from the DeGrom start from the night before. And now Lugo, you're praying he gives you a quality start to give those arms some rest. Doesn't happen. Immediately bullpen game again. It's a, it's frustrating because especially after scoring three in the first inning, you're like, all right, we're off to a good start. We're seeing Lugo to pitch like Lugo does. And he gets shelled in the first inning. Doesn't even make it through two. And you have to go through the bullpen. But I will say, uh, talking, speaking about the bullpen, there's two guys, both pitched this game, both pitched two and a third innings, who have been fucking great this entire year. When they say pitched. his name. Say his name. Orozco Ramirez and Jason Shreve. They've been fucking fantastic. I love Orozco Ramirez. It makes me wonder why the fuck wasn't he up here uh, earlier. Because he has actually looked awesome and i know that he like in in starts past in past years i've seen him on the mariners in the race he's nothing special but my god he uh, looks, hey, looks really hey, good hey, no 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 we're not what? gonna judge what he did in the past i'm not i'm saying he looks really good now you just said he's nothing special he is I something he, special i said he, he was 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 nothing special right he now is good now no, no no he is special right now he is something special in a Met uniform, he has a 0.68 ERA. He is something special. Well, at least we, we agree that he, he is, he's good on the Mets. No, I, we, I, you know, know you Chase, have to say it. Jason Shreve also is. I know, I know Shreve didn't have the best outing today, but throughout the entire season, he had like an under two ERA. He was a dominant lefty specialist in a, in a year where lefty specialists really aren't a thing. But he's... Also, just a guy that picked up off the scrap heap. So two guys who weren't going to be big contributors in this bullpen that might have not even made the team are the, your two two of your best relief pitchers this entire year. So hats off to them. I have to mention that. There's not a lot of guys in the bullpen that I genuinely would like to see back in a Met uniform next year. Uh, Jason Shreve is in that category, though. I would really enjoy them giving him like another like one-year contract or whatever. I don't trust him to give him a multi-year or anything like that, but I would still like to see him back in a Met uniform. Um, on a side note, one of the ugliest dudes to be on the Mets right now is definitely Jason Shreve. <laughs> well, when you have a name like Jason uh, you're either going to be like a, a good looking, like frat kid, or you're going to be ugly as fuck. Yeah. He looks homeless, but going, going forward, you said you would give him another chance in the Mets next year. I would too. Would you give him that kind of Justin Wilson role as like primary lefty in the bullpen? I know like the fact that like we do like a Mets podcast, like I'm supposed to like answer Met questions. But the first thing that came to my mind when you asked me like that question was to skip that question. So <laughs> is that an option pass. I don't know. No, I, I don't know yet. Uh, I, producer Pat, what are your thoughts? Pat, uh, should Jason street be in the role? Uh, yeah, he's earned it. All right. Good there talk. you go. Jason street <laughs> taking over Justin Wilson's lefty role next year from Pat. But anyway, to, we said we another, another, like you said, magical game where the Mets come back uh, storming late from, what were they down? 6-3 most of the game up until the sixth inning where they got, what, I don't even remember. They got fucking production from Dom Smith, Robbie Cano. A lot of guys in the lineup really fucking produced them this game late. 
Yeah. Uh, something else I have for this game is obviously Pete hit a homer, which is like a random thing that we say like once or twice a week where it's like Pete Alonzo struggles all week, but then out of nowhere, we're like, Hey, Pete hit a homer. Um, by no means as do I think Pete's anywhere close to coming out of this. I think this is just Pete Alonzo for the rest of the year. It's not a good year for Pete. Um, but who did look good in this game offensively though, Dom Smith, Robbie Cano, both driving in runs. Brandon Nimmo was fucking huge in this game. Uh, he had a triple that tied the game, and then he pimped. Brandon Nimmo pimped <laughs> a home run in the ninth inning to take the lead. The man who sprints around the bases at full speed, whether it's a walk, a homer, or anything, took a second to admire his fucking moonshot to take the lead in Smiley the ninth McGee. inning. Yeah, really. No, that this was, and I remember you texted me like right after this game. I'm all the way back in. This was your all the way back in game. Yeah. And then uh, disaster struck, so so to speak. Hold on, before before you break my heart, and we ruin the magic for anyone, I want to share a couple things about Brandon Nimmo. Okay. We have been hot and cold on Brandon Nimmo. I feel like pretty collectively. Yeah. I feel like for the sometimes we're like, yeah, like I really like him. Sometimes it's like. And I want more from Brandon Nimmo. And I want to give you some Brandon Nimmo numbers. Okay. Just so I want everyone to hear these Brandon Nimmo numbers. Brandon Nimmo ranks in the top 12 in National League outfielders. In on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and war. Top 12 in all those categories for Brandon Nimmo. He, like I said, he's a he's a fine player, and we were going off stats. Those are very impressive stats. However, I still think he's an awful center fielder in terms of defense, and that's not really something you can you're you're gonna you're gonna prove me wrong in terms of stats. And I I've I've said uh, he he's a good player that I want on this team. Uh, I'm just not in love with him. I like that he he'll get on base, he'll walk. Uh, but I'm just not – there's just something about it I'm just not in love with where I know, like, a section of Mets fans were saying, like, I know in the offseason when they were looking to make trade like, Starling Marte, they're like, oh, if you trade Brandon Nimmo, I'm done with this team. I was like, I'm not – that that's not a guy I say I'm done with this team for. So you could say – I don't know if you're calling me a Brandon Nimmo hater because I'm not. I'm just I'm not, not as oh, high as him. Oh, oh, I, I said I don't know if you are. Ooh. I don't think you are. Didn't say but, that. But I, I don't love Brandon Nimmo as much as everyone else does. I like him. That's where that's where I'm at. All right, so here here's where I stand on Brandon Nimmo. I think he is a very good player. However, I think when you want to take a good team or a decent team and you want to make that team great, what you have to start doing is upgrading your decent slash good players to great players. So, like, if you have an opportunity to upgrade a Brandon Nimmo, and this is obviously not going to happen. Mookie Betts signed a contract with the Dodgers. But, like, if you had an opportunity to upgrade a good outfielder in Brandon Nimmo for a great, terrific outfielder for Mookie Betts, you would do that in a heartbeat. Same thing would potentially doing it this offseason. And I don't know where you feel on this. I see a lot of people on Mets Twitter being like, if you can upgrade center field for George Springer over Brandon Nimmo, for me, I would do that. And I think Brandon Nimmo's a terrific outfield. I think he's very good for the Mets. But, like, I want to start upgrading the positions that are good into great positions. 
I'm very much on the uh, upgrade for George Springer. I know he's not having the best best series in like 247 or something like that, but he's still one of the best leadoff hitters and outfielders in the game. And especially when we have uh, our uncle, Uncle Stevie, coming in, which we'll touch more on that later. Uh, we can we can def that's definitely a possibility. So would I say get rid of Brandon Nemo? No, I view him as a fourth outfielder on this team if they can if they can upgrade and get George Springer because he's a very valuable player. That being said, if Brandon Nemo has to play, he's he's good. Brandon Nemo is good. I'm not I'm not going to complain if if he has to play, but I would rather I'd rather upgrade. But if he's going to play, I'm not gonna be, I'm not going to complain. All right, let's talk about the Braves. What's it said? Let's. The Braves scored two touchdowns on us, and then after they scored the second touchdown, they went for two just to fucking run up the score, and they beat the Mets fifteen to two. And my biggest takeaway from this game is Stephen Match should not even be offered a fucking like arbitration he should not be tendered a contract he should be dfa'd after the season and he should be gone and that takes a lot to say for everything that steven has i don't even say for what he's done for this team because he really hasn't done a lot but just for like what his persona has meant to met fans like it's time it's it's time to say goodbye to steven matz uh he let go six runs a couple of home runs and he has a fucking 9.79 ERA. And before you say anything about Steven Matz, Pat, do you know what ERA is? Yeah, it's uh, earned runs average. Okay. Can you go okay. into more detail about that stat? It's like if I let up uh, a run in one inning, then my ERA is one. No. No? All right. That it's sounds right. <laughs> that no, that's earned run at oh. So if I is it per inning? Is no, it'd be one. If you pitched one inning and gave up one run, your ear would be nine. My ear would be nine. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you if pitched, I, always base it off of if you pitched nine innings, Pat. All right. But if then, you, so if so you, you have one earned run and you pitch nine yeah. innings, you'd have a one ERA. So if I pitch two, step. if I pitch two innings and I let up, no, oh, I don't want to do that math. No, if, if I pitch three innings, let up two runs, my ERA would be six. That's math. See, you immediately that, once yeah. See, the moment you made it, the yeah. moment you made it math, it's over. Yeah, it's not not funny on that side, right? Speaking Just, of nine, Steve Steven Matz is not very good. Yeah. All right, Pat. Go back to your corner. Uh, that like I I I know you didn't you didn't want to admit it earlier in the year when I tried to tell you that Stephen Matz is in fact bad and not good. But yes, it's very much time to just move on for him. Like I I don't even want to think about giving him another contract. And I do hope the best for him, even though it doesn't sound like I do. I do hope that he could go to like another team and and maybe turn his career around because I anything I've heard is he's like a really nice guy. Uh, so I can, I can envision him going to like the angels, a team who has always needed pitching and maybe thriving, you know, join Hansel Robles. Dude, you're basically trying to turn Steven Matt's career into like low key Matt Harvey. It's like, Oh, just sign like, like a minor league deal with the angels. And like, maybe you'll figure it out. It's a minor league deal. 
Oh, oh, all right, fine. Signed like a, a one year, four million deal, which is what Harvey signed basically with I'd the say Angels. 4 million. All right, you know what you're trying to do. You, you're you're doing that. No, I, 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 I honestly, I didn't think of Harvey and the Angels. I just picked the Angels because the Angels have notoriously bad pitching. Don't trigger me right now. I'll trigger you. Don't. Don't do it. The The guy who pitched the best for the Mets in this game was fucking Todd Frazier. The Todd father <laughs> comes in. Uh, knuckleballer pitched, Todd Frazier. Yeah, the knuckleballer. Uh, best knuckleballer in a Mets uniform since Ari Dickey. And uh, he pitches a clean inning. He goes one, two, three, and he gets a strikeout, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, this is the first time apparently he's ever pitched in a game since the Little League World Series. I don't know if that's true. I just saw that on Twitter, but I'm going to believe it's true. true. I'm going to believe it's true. I saw I saw that too. Todd Frazier's biggest – like Todd Frazier's like a good MLB player, but his uh, biggest accomplishment is being uh, in the Little League World Series and standing next to Derek Jeter. And being from New Jersey. Because that's yes, all that's all people talk about. From Tom's River, stood next to Derek Jeter and played in the Little League World Series. Those are Todd Frazier's three biggest accomplishments. He and won a home run derby too, but that's not even the, that's barely in the top five. Also, he has like a really famous gif of him swinging the swinging strikeout when he was with the Yankees against the Astros, like where like he swung out a ball that was like 99 miles like away oh, from the plate. I do remember that. I do know this and one, it's yeah. like the worst swing ever. So he's also famous for that. So shout out Todd. I'm Big fan of the program. Top four accomplishments aren't even have anything uh, good to do with the MLB. Uh, something completely random about the 15 to two game. Uh, the Mets booth was fucking electric and they used the clothesline again to move some cookies back and forth between the booths. Keeps tried to stare, scare Gary by like popping his head into Gary's booth and Gary yelled at him to go away. And then Gary also told Keith Basically, the only people that are still listening are hoping Keith says something like controversial, and they're not wrong at that point. It's it just makes it very clear that they're just the best booth in all of sports. When they, it's like a nothing game that uh, people don't even want to watch, but you will still watch because you want to just hear what they those um, three three guys have to say and do. It was also really funny. Um, they were talking about Steve Cohen. We will get into the Steve Cohen talk a little bit later on. Uh, but they were talking about Steve Cohen being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they said, Gary said, like, I've never met him. I don't know a lot about him. Um, I just know that he has a lot of money and he grew up a Mets fan. And then Ron Darling was like, wow, if he has a lot of money and if he's assessing everyone, like, you know, we better be on our best behavior. And Keith basically just started like laughing, being like, yeah, we're gone. Like, thinking like that. <laughs> Like, just like, you're like the best. I am so excited. I don't want to get into the Steve Cohen thing yet, but I'm, I'm so excited because we have the best announcers in baseball and Gary Cohen fucking deserves to call a good team. Yes, he, there's no one. I mean, I'm happy for myself as a Mets fan, but there's no one uh, other than me that I'm happy for that the Mets are going to get good than, than uh, Gary Cohen. I almost said Steve Cohen, but Gary Cohen. Because he he is a lifelong Mets fan. You can every single year I say this when the Mets are down and out in the end of September, you can hear it just in his voice how disappointed he is. That he has to, he has to call every single game. Like us as fans, we can easily turn off the game and just stop watching for us here. Gary Cohen has to call every single game and watch every single game of like a shit Mets season whenever we have it. So I I'm so happy for him that we're gonna have new life into this into this team, into this organization. And winning is is coming, Gary. Winning is coming. 
All right. Speaking of winning, what a segue. God, That's a fucking segue, man. pat on the back. Uh, Mets win this game 7-2, to two, game two of this series against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, bright spot of the week, David Peterson shining in this fucking game. Six innings, 10 Ks, one earned run. Uh, Peterson has a really impressive 3.80 ERA on the season now. Um, before we get into the whole game, just give me like your thoughts on David Peterson right now and like what you project for him going forward. I love him. I, I've said it from the beginning of the season when he got his shot. That first that first game against the Red Sox I was like, this guy, this this kid's really good, and he has something. He he's the anti Stephen Matz, where he'll get into a jam, but like clockwork, he'll get out of it. Like he had a few, he had a few times where you know guy gets on either first or second, and he just navigates. And he had a really good game, but it wasn't perfect. Like I just said, he had guys on base, but he kept getting out of it. Aside from one, uh, aside from one Adam Duvall homer, his entire slate was fairly clean, and he had a ten strikeout game. He just going forward, depending on who they sign for the rotation, whether it be bringing back a Stroman and signing a Bauer or whatever else they do, he has a legitimate shot at being that fourth, fifth starter in the rotation, and he's definitely earned it this year from the way he's pitched to give him, give him that opportunity. You mentioned the Adam Duvall homer. I hope ESPN like wipe the fucking cum off their face because they were obsessed with Adam Duvall. We had to listen to this guy talk about like fucking golf and listening to ESPN for a Braves game. is just not fucking fair because it's literally a Braves broadcast. It's Chipper Jones, like John Smoltz. It's like, this is a fucking Braves broadcast. This is Braves legends talking like supposed to unbiasedly about the Braves. This is so fucking bullshit. I got to be honest, uh, for, for these games, I literally just turned my sound off. I, I, I just didn't even want to deal with it. But it was funny uh, awkwardly just seeing Adam Duvall standing there talking, nothing else happening, and me just not knowing what's going on while I'm just watching Adam Duvall fucking talk. But I don't know how he just randomly became like 1998 Sammy Sosa in June, just hitting absolute tank shots the entire month. He's not he's, he's like, he, was in, he was a one-time All-Star, but he's not that – he's meh. He's meh. What did I say about him? He's net. I don't care. Right. Fuck him. All right. Hot take. Uh, cool thing about this game, Dom and Cano do go back-to-back. They hit some homers in this game together. And our boy, old boy, Travis Darno, hits a homer at one point to make it a 3-2 ball game. Mets do pull away late in this game, though, to take the win 7-2. Uh, Travis Darno against the Mets this year. Ready for this? He's 11 for 23 with three home runs and 12 RBIs. I mean, it's not good. I would love to have a player like that behind the plate for the New York Mets. So I have uh, I just some, something to say on that. Everyone keeps saying, <laughs> oh, oh, well, like, that, like that. I wish I had that guy or why do we ever get rid of this guy? No, you know why you got rid of him. The guy was hurt all the time. The guy wasn't really producing when he was playing. I, I am not of the mindset of, oh, uh, how could they have ever gotten rid of Travis now? Because he just wasn't it with the Mets. I'm not shocked that he blossomed elsewhere because he had, he did show at times that he was really good. But it is really just fucking frustrating. They had to go to the Braves and kill us like this. Like, I wish he just would have stayed on the Rays for the rest of his career where he just wouldn't harm us and he would, just, he would just be on his own and do whatever and kill the Yankees for us. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I think the Mets should have 100% kept Travis Darno and they fucked up by – 
uh, releasing him. They did fuck up by tendering his contract and then just releasing him after like 15 at-bats. That they did fuck up on. The thing that's really frustrating with that, yeah, and that's that's a big thing. It's like, if you're going to tender him a contract, for me, Travis had earned the right to like finish a season mm-hmm. and be let go in an off season. Like he was already tendered the contract. He was coming back from injury. Like let him work through the sh- shit he's going through. If he sucks, he sucks. You know, next year, like, all right, we're getting rid of this guy. We held on t- to fucking Poweki longer than we did Darno. And for me, that's, that's like an issue because Travis at least showed us flashes of like, maybe he's, if he could just stay fucking healthy, Pawecki never showed us shit ever. And we we're just like, yeah, you know, we'll just, it's Kevin Pawecki, whatever. We'll just keep him. Like, I feel like, I, that was be- I feel like that was because we had zero expectations on him when he was in the majors where it was like, all right, we know what he is. Uh, let's just keep him because fuck it. But Darno was like, we know that he can be good. He's just not being good. So we're frustrated. And we just don't want to deal with him anymore. Yeah. Again, I, I I don't like how it ended with Travis and like, I don't have bad feelings towards him. Like for instance, like I just, I, I can't hate Travis Darno. Like anyone that was on that 2015 Met team, I have a really difficult time just genuinely hating. And like, I'm happy he's having success. I, yeah. I don't want to say I, I, I hate Darno because I, I really don't. I just wish I wasn't on the Braves, man. I could have just been for any other team. Yeah. Would you rather him do it for the Phillies? Well, when I say any other team, I mean not in our division. Oh, all right. I was going to say, like, I I feel like no, the, Philly, I, the Phillies is for me, like, the team. Like, if you go to Philadelphia and then beat the shit out of us, like, I hate you more than than the Braves or the Marlins. I think if I had to rank uh, the, the East teams that I, I just fucking hate, it would probably be Phillies, Braves, uh, those last place Nationals, and the Marlins probably. We play the uh, last place Nationals pretty soon. I got a couple fun little facts. Uh, I can't wait for Pat to to give us some contribu- contributions during that. I got my notes right here. I'm ready. All right, great. Uh, before we do that, let's finish the Brave series. Uh, there is not much to finish on. Mets lose today, 7 nothing. However... However, Rick Porcello, Rick Porcello was lights out good today. Seven innings, one earned, 10 Ks. Bullpen came in afterwards, stunk up the whole place, and sucked. Except Corey Oswalt, he swung his dick around a little bit for two outs in the ninth. No big deal. But I'll give you your microphone. Here's your stage. Ricky Raindrops, have at it. This was this was the Cy Young Rick Porcello. I was, I was all, right, about. all right, Jesus. <laughs> no, but in all in all honesty, he pitched phenomenal today, and there's really no other way you can you can say it. Seven innings, ten strikeouts. One he he messed up one time, and that was to Acuna, where he gave up a homer. Other than that, it was one run, three hits, and he was he was golden. It's just a fucking shame that the Mets could not give him any sort of support. And it, it, this has been a trend that I saw this entire season where the, the minimal, really good starts that Rick Porcello said, because he had like three, maybe three or four, like good starts. And the Mets just had not hit at all for him or the bullpen's blunt. It, it's it, it upsetting to me as a Rick Porcello f- uh, supporter in this year. Uh, 
But to give you a performance like that when your season on the line and for you to get one fucking hit for the dude, uh, that's the most frustrating part of this entire fucking game. But you have to give props to Rick Porcello. That was a great, great fucking game pitched by him. No, it was. And, and honestly, today I had a thought that I almost wanted to share with you. And I'm scared to share with you because I know how you are. And I feel like you wouldn't let it go. And I want you to let it go if I, if I change like stance on it. So can I tell you that thought without you holding it against me forever? If you Can't say no, I'm friends. not going to tell you that thought. Tell me. I'm going to tell Pat that thought then. Tell Pat. Pat Wait, will forget tell, the thought. Tell me. Pat. Tell me. Pat, when, when Rick Porcello pitched really well today, in the back of my mind, I thought maybe bringing him back next year as a potential fifth or spot starter isn't the worst thing in the world. You're an idiot. That's what I thought. I, I think I just fell in love with how he did today. I, I honestly think that bringing him back on like this a was between year- Pat and I. So I don't know yeah, where I'm you're going right stay. now. I'm talking, stay, I'm stay talking with myself. I'm, right. speaking, right. I'm speaking to the Rick Porcello fan club out there that is our fan base. Just you. <laughs> yes, just me. I'm speaking to myself. But bringing Rick Porcello back on like a minor league contract to where he's like, you know, two of your starters get hurt. He's the guy you bring up. Is that such a bad idea? Tell, like, honestly, tell me. Is that like a bad I, I, idea? I, no, but I don't like saying. It's a guy, it's a guy with veteran experience who uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned this, won a Cy Young Award to just have in your in your minor league system. So when, if you really need a guy, he can come in and he can have, he has the potential to give you performance like this or a performance like you had in the beginning of the week where it's just six, six innings, four runs, and you fucking take that. All right. So they went three and three. That's, that's not enough. And honestly... <laughs> We said in the beginning, I think it's over. The only way it's not over is if they go 7-0 to end the season. Real, like, right? We're in agreement on that? Yes, there's, there's no other way. They, they can't lose again. They literally have to win seven straight games, and they have three against the Rays and four against the Nationals. They need to win every single game. And this is just not that type of rotation or bullpen where you can win seven straight games with. No, and they haven't been able, like we said before, they haven't been able to piece together more than three straight wins this entire year. So expecting them to go seven straight, especially against uh, three of them against the Rays, who I think are a legit World Series contender. Like that team is, is really, really good. I just don't see it happening. PJ, I want to say right now, it is extremely, extremely brave of you to say that the Rays, who have the best record the American League are World Series contenders. Thank you. I, took a lot I, out of want, me. I want you to know that's brave. No, those are the Rays, not the Braves. But no, I agree. I'm a very brave person to admit that. It took a lot out of me. I, I it, it feels good. It feels really good. But in all honesty, that seems fucking great. Do you want to know something really weird about the Rays, though? I heard this today uh, when listening. I was listening to the game on the radio today. I wasn't watching it on TV. I like to listen to Howie every now and then. I go through, like, a weird thing. And um, But what they said was, I think it was actually uh, Wayne Rendazzo who said the stat, the, the Rays have four quality starts all year long. 
They have four. However, their team ERA is a 3.90. That's pretty wild. That's a weird stat. I, I've always, or for a long time, just love what the Rays do. A team that's not a big market team by any stretch of the imagination who just know how to develop, scout, and use their players. Like they have, they have all their guys in the bullpen who they tell, hey, you have one job. Literally just focus on that and don't, don't even give a shit about anything else on, in the entire, in the entire game. They have their headers like they don't want, like their lineup is not that scary when you look at it at face value. Like you should look at the guys, you're like, I'm not really scared of this team, but they all just produce and do their job. And I just I I I love that fucking team. World Series um, contenders. Hot take. Super hot take. Pat, question. Yeah. What's up? I told PJ that the Rays only have four quality starts all year. I I fucking knew this was going to come up too. What is a quality start? Fuck. Uh, no, wait, no. That's uh, it's after a certain amount of innings. It's okay. uh, I want to, I want to say seven, but I think it's actually six. Okay, is that it? It. They have to pitch all. Yeah, they pitch one through six. And then, all right. So uh, what if I pitch six innings and I let go ten runs? Was that a yeah, quality a- start? Yes, it is. It's considered a quality. Yeah, it's a quality. No, I'm, I'm getting six, six innings. Head nods don't work on podcasts, but uh, wait, it's a what? Six innings, three earned. Like if you, you have to pitch at least six innings and give up the most three earned runs. And if you is is there like a name for it? If you do not do that, is it just a yeah, start? It's just a start. Yeah. Like if uh, you get a quality, you get credit for a quality start. Quality starts like another category. Like you get like, credit for a quality start if you go six innings and let go less than three runs. Okay. But I got the, I got like, the six innings part though, right? You did yeah. good for you. Right, Here's I'll your treat. Take, I'll take that. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll take that. Like like, like a former signing award winner, Rick Porcello's first started this week. He went six innings, four and run. That's not a quality start. But uh, former signing award winner Rick Porcello in on Sunday pitched seven innings, one earned run. That is a quality start. Gotcha. And what, what, what if you're taking out you, – you, so you have to complete the sixth inning. It's not – you start mm-hmm. you start the first part of the sixth inning and then you get taken out. It's not a quality start. Right. Next, that would be like five and a third. That's six innings. Okay. PJ, don't break your wrist jerking off Rick Porcello, buddy. I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that because he had a great game. You can't really say anything about it. All right. I'm going to talk about something that we don't want to talk about because we adamantly said – we don't want to talk about it multiple times. We said that we were not going to talk about something that was going on across town in the Bronx. And we have to talk about how we refuse to talk about it because we were on a high on how the Yankees were doing. And since then the Yankees went 12 and one. So, I think this was an omen. I think we jinxed it. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Or you just you just you see, just I, out there? see. I, I thought feel it was, like we have to reverse it. No, because I I thought it was inevitable that they would get hot again. Like their 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 team is has has guys that are are decent at baseball and, and other such activities. So 
I, I had I knew that they were gonna get back up, and all these fucking Yankee fans that I've seen, like, oh, this is the worst team I've ever seen. That's so hard being a Yankee fan. Go fuck yourself. Honestly, fuck off. You don't know what uh, being a fan of a shit fucking team is. So I just I knew I knew I knew it was gonna happen eventually. So I we had to get our licks in while we could. PJ, I've had a couple of Yankee fans personally reach out to me. Um, shout out Jordan, good friend, uh, diehard listener of the podcast, even though he's a Yankee fan. Um, he is very upset with you in particular. He says that you constantly look for opportunities to bring up Garrett Cole. Do you have any comments on that? Uh, my only comment is that uh, Jacob the is better than Garrett Cole. That's all you really got to say. Okay. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I don't really got to right. say much more. We got a better pitcher in New York, and you just shelled out, you know, $350 million for, you know, a second pitch, uh, the second best pitcher in the uh, in the state I, of New York. That's fine. I, I just feel like we have to say something positive about the Yankees in hoping that we can reverse what we started. Because we were, we were bashing them, and then they got red fucking hot. So I feel like we have to say something nice and hope they go ice cold again. I'll give you. I'll give you something. Something nice. Uh, Luke Voigt is really fucking good. He might win MVP for the he's AL. Really fucking good. Um, like, he, he, he's he's at what nineteen homers now. He might be in twenty. He might be over. He might Stop. be over. He might be in twenties. Pat Fetchek. Pat. Um, you guys always catch me when I'm not. We're talking about a home run total. <laughs> this is literally your job right now. I, you have one job. How many home runs does Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt have on the Yankees? Voigt home runs. I think it's 19, but it, it could be like 21. 21. Thank God, you, Pat. Pat, say something nice about the Yankees. That's oh, what this sure. segment is. Oh, say something nice. Uh, no, uh, the pinstripes match uh, his stone-cold look in this picture. Great. There we go. That was something nice about the Yankees. Hopefully that will put them on a downward spiral. Hopefully Congrats on just... clinching the playoffs this, on today. All right. So – you and I know about this, but I want to share it with all our listeners now. We have been constantly roasting Andy Martino on our airwaves, on our Twitter, on Instagram. We've been pretty active with our roasting of Andy Martino. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. All right. By no means do I feel bad about that. I even want to share you one more tweet before I go further into this topic. During this past week, in between episodes, Andy tweeted saying, Memo to Steve Cohen. Roas has earned the right to manage the Mets for years to come. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? I, I definitely don't agree. I don't think uh, you can say definitively that he's uh, earned the right to to be on this team for for many years or years to come, as he uh, quote unquote put it. Uh, I I don't agree, and I'm going to throw it over to you for for more uh, more because I've been I, I've I've thrown out my my Luis Rojas takes on these airwaves, so I'm going to throw this one back to you actually. Well, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Uh, I don't agree. A lot of Mets fans did not agree. And it led to a mass ratio uh, yet again for our boy, Andy Martino. Now, 
with us talking about Andy Martino so much on these airwaves, I thought it was only fair that we should reach out to him and offer him an opportunity to come on Scooter and the Big Man and talk about maybe uh, the way he covers the team, maybe even share some fun stories from covering the team, working for SNY. Um, I tried to make it like a fun reach out to him, but I was also extremely honest where I think that he tweets to get interactions. And I think he's more for interactions, which is more like getting ratioed or just getting replies rather than the actual like quality of the content he's putting out. So I reached out to him with basically saying that while asking him to come on for about a 20 minute interview uh, to share his intentions behind some of the content that he writes for SNY. And Andy replied, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Andy replied with a lengthy reply. And first off, right off the bat, I respect the fuck out of Andy Martino for replying to this because I basically said something negative in me asking him to come on. I basically was negative, which was probably a bad move on my part, but whatever. I was honest with him. I didn't want to be something I'm not. And he even said that he thought it was the professional thing to reach out to him, especially because we were talking about him. So credit to us for, you know, for being, for being great reporters. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. We, we did a great job. We were big J journalism, shout out part of my take. Um, but with that being said, that he's going to respectfully pass. And a lot of the, like the meat and potatoes of what he said was that, he loves baseball. He tries to write honestly about the Yankees and Mets and for baseball fans and that he doesn't, he does not know when he gets ratioed. Um, he only has his Twitter set where I only see notifications from people I follow. So if he doesn't follow you, he doesn't actually see your notification unless he does like a deeper, deeper dig. So he said, so if strangers are responding negatively to something I report, odds are I'm not even aware. Says he's beyond, uh, he loves baseball beyond words and he's deeply grateful for the job that he has and that he has an audience. Um, that being said, I also responded to him, something similar to what I just said. I appreciate the hell out of the fact that he responded to this. And it sounds like from that, only from that, not from what he posts, just from that, that he doesn't try to troll and that he is genuinely posting about the things that he believes in whatever. And what I responded with was that then I would love for him to come on these airwaves because I think a lot of Met fans feel that, we, he posts for interactions that he, he posts a troll. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I would say that's, uh, that's more than fair. I would say right now there is a little bit of a negative perception around Andy and his content. Um, you see a lot of like uh, memes and jokes on Twitter right now, basically being like with Uncle Stevie Cohen coming in, like people like throwing. I saw like a jazz meme, like uh, Fresh Prince getting thrown out of the house. Like <laughs> once uncle Stevie buys S and Y they're going to throw him out of the house. So if he honestly isn't what I think he is and what most Met fans on Twitter think he is, then I would love for him to come on and have like, just like an honest conversation about like writing for S and Y the content he puts out, maybe some fun stories about the team and helping us change his perception amongst Matt's Twitter. Wouldn't I you would agree? Love- I would love for, for that opportunity. And, I, and we've, 
we've taken our shots at at, at Andy, and I I will say, kind of reiterating what you said, I do respect the hell out of him for for, for responding back to us. He didn't have to. He didn't have to say anything and to do it at the length that he did to like go into detail as to why he doesn't believe that. You know, I I turned a notch in my book a little bit, but I still would very much like to talk to him because while what he said could be very true, just from what he tweets, I don't believe and I want the opportunity to, you know, get the full true intentions and story that that he can provide us and provide all all Met fans. So maybe be like, all right, maybe we pegged this guy wrong. Maybe he's just honestly doing what uh, he is because those are his actual thoughts. Like I would love to like compile a list of maybe like five things, like go through like some of his like five most like ratioed like articles or like tweets being like, okay, like you say, you're not trying to troll. You're pushing for like seven inning games. Like you're, and just like give him a list of some of the stuff he's putting out there and be like, if you honestly believe these are like valuable things, like tell me on it, tell me your point of view and why you believe that. And if he honestly has like legitimate reasons for them, just because I disagree with them, that doesn't mean like I won't respect that. Okay. Like this is his legitimate opinion on it. I might not agree with it, but it is his opinion and it's, you know, it's whatever, but if it's more like, Hey, you keep pushing for seven in games. Like why? And like, he just starts to laugh. It's like, bro, I know you're trolling. Like I just, I need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. If he, if he can give a, an actual reasoning behind, you know, the seven in games, the, the tweet about the, uh, what's it called? First responders hats on nine 11, the, um, some of the Steve Cohen stuff. He, he's, he's kind of saying keeping Rojas for years to come. Rojas for years to come. Like if he can give, valid like points and actual sound reasoning behind those points i'll be like all right cool i don't agree with it but at that point i know that these are just your opinions that you're getting out there but i we will never know until we actually get the chance to talk to them so andy we we, we want to have you on we'd love to have you on to to air out our grievances and give you a chance to make good with uh, the mets fans andy 20 minutes give us 20 minutes we go through some of like your most like quote unquote ratioed or controversial trolling tweets that we think are trolling tweets, alleged trolled, trolled tweets. That was a hard sentence to say. And, um, you know, let's help you change your perspective on Mets Twitter. If you honestly don't think you're trying to troll, like let us help you change the perspective. That's what we're here for. We just want to help, dude. We're here to help you. Help us help you. Pat. What are your thoughts? Uh, come on the pod. Uh, Thanks, Pat. <laughs> yeah. But let's, uh, let's move on. <laughs> All right. So moving on, let's go into some segments. We got a couple segments to break down. We have good morning, good afternoon, good night. If you're new to the podcast, good morning, good afternoon, good night. We say one positive thing, one negative thing, and a record prediction for the New York Mets. Mets only have seven games left, so I figured we'd just do a prediction for the rest of the season. Now, can I go first? You want to go first? So what do you want to do? Uh, you can go first. All right. My good morning. And if you listen to last week's episode, you know that I am now addicted to scorigami. Unfortunately, there was not a scorigami in the MLB this week. And there was not one in any other sport. However, there almost was a scorigami in the NFL today. Uh, with like a minute and a half left, 
There was in the uh, Falcons-Cowboys game, it was 39-37, to and that would have been a scoregami. Uh, however, there was a field goal as time expired, so we lost the scoregami. But just the fact that I got to follow a scoregami aggressively for like a minute and a half, that's my good morning. I don't care if it's not baseball. I don't care if it's not anything related. It has nothing to do with the Mets. High on Scorigami. I will always be on that. I can't wait for the next one. No matter what sport at this point, I'm, I'm all in on any opportunity for a Scorigami. Getting ready for that cricket Scorigami, I see. I don't care. I'll, I'll any, anything. Any, I don't even I'll know how cricket sports. scoring works. I don't I'm know how cricket I'm going to make up a sport so every day there's a new Scorigami. So I can just feel that. If only there was someone out there who could look up the facts on how the fuck you score in cricket. I was looking up NHL Scorigamis, but now I got to alter my search all right let me finish this we'll let pat do whatever the fuck he's doing uh my good afternoon steven matz will be a will be dfa'd this offseason uh the end of steven matz completely i know we mentioned it early on but that is my good afternoon good afternoon goodbye i will miss you slightly for your persona and everything you did with your true 32 foundation for first responders in new york city uh, fellow Long Islander, obviously will always appreciate and wish he had better success with the Mets, but Steven Matz will ride off after these seven games and will not pitch in a Met uniform again, which is kind of sad. And my record prediction, I am on an all-time low. I am sad. The Mets are going to go one in six to end the season. So that's it. Done. See ya. So my, my good morning is a very, very happy one. It's the goodest of mornings, if I could say. It's that on Monday, uh, Steve Cohen was officially set the ball to buy the Mets for $2.4 billion, which is absolute throwaway money for a man who also spent $260 million on a stick figure statue. And there, we, we've, we've touched on it a bunch of times, but this is the one of the best things that I can remember ever happening to the Mets. It's the most optimistic I've ever felt about anything with this team. The fact that you can say, oh, you know, throwing money doesn't doesn't work all the time or you have no idea what this guy does. He can do whatever. I don't care. I feel optimistic when your owner is richer than the top three owners in the MLB currently put together. That is room for optimism. I don't want to hear any other bullshit. My... Good afternoon is that, I mean, it's an easy one. Mets aren't just not going to make the playoffs. And I'll one-up one more. I don't think that the Mets are going to re-sign Marcus Stroman next year. Now, wow. you, can, you, could say, you could say that's, that's a bad uh, – that's just a, a throwaway take or you, you didn't really like Stroman to begin with. I like Stroman, and I think that would be a huge loss, especially after you traded away everything for him. Just for some reason, I'm just not – I think they're going to go the Bauer route and not get Stroman. And my good night, my fucking record prediction doesn't fucking matter anymore. I think they're going to I think they're they're going to end the season off on like a three-game winning streak against the Nationals just to give some hope and some semblance of, "Oh no, this team is actually good." So I'm going to say fucking, I don't know, 3 and 4. PJ, you mentioned the Nationals also Pat has let us know that he has an awesome scoregami fact about cricket. I, I want to mention this one thing about the Nationals first, and then we're going to give Pat his his cricket stage. Um, you want to know this, like how fucked up this season is, and I know it's only 60 games. Uh, 
couple days ago, the Nationals had the same record. They were 19 and 31. That is the same record they had at same at one point last year when they went on to win the World Series. Currently, they are 20 and 32, and they are in dead last, and they won't make the playoffs. But just to think, if this was a full season, your team that could be in dead last right now could have still been a team that went and like went on to win the World Series. If this was a full season. Do I think this Mets team would have put it together? No, I don't. I still, I actually think they would have just kept falling further and further. They don't have the pitching to kind of keep up with everybody else. Uh, But the offense would have been a lot of fun to watch over like 162 games to see like some of the final stat totals these guys put up. With that, I mean, with that being said, I, over 162 game season, you also have to remember that Stroman, like we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had opt-outs. This is a regular season. He would have opted out. Uh, Maybe they make a trade for an actual pitcher at some point, or I don't know. That's it, it's a big what if, but if we're going off of just this team that they have right now, then I don't think they would have done anything else. But Pat, let me hear your cricket fact. So this isn't really a Scorigami, but it was posted on the Scorigami subreddit, r slash Scorigami. And after 141 years, New Zealand has become the first team ever to win a match by four runs. <laughs> I feel. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's impressive or not. I don't know how the fuck you scoring cricket. That, that, I know. I, I know that, nothing about cricket. Oh no! I I tried looking up and like reading an article while you guys talked. I couldn't. I zoned out after like the headline. But I mean that 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 must mean that all the matches are like insanely close. If winning by four is like an insane blowout. That was fucking <laughs> cricket. Yeah, yeah. I'll so let's go back. Let's move on to our last segment. I think it's our last segment, right? Uh, I want to bring up one more thing with your boy, Steve Cohen, real quick. Oh, yes, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we saw this all over Twitter, uh, especially today, that there's talks that uh, when Steve Cohen officially takes over the New York Mets, he wants to bring in Sandy Alderson to have a significant front office role. Uh, I personally think this is a huge boom for the Mets because if you look at their current team right now, their best players were all drafted by Sandy Alderson. Yeah, I, I like that move. It's a guy who, one, is is – uh, from what I was saying, very respected around the league. Uh, a guy who has been in that position in a in a major front office role, and for this team, obviously. And I I I, I like Alderson, like as as what he did. Obviously, a lot of our top guys are Alderson guys. So bring him in. I have no quorums with it. Now I think he is said to be like an advisor, not the GM again. So what I would like them to do, and I was actually talking to my brother, uh, shout out uh, Mike Pinnell, frequent listener of this podcast, uh, before. And saying that I want them to get a guy, a young guy who is from a well-respected organization like the Rays or, I don't know, like the Cardinals are, are always known for, for producing good guys. And have him be that the GM, but have all this, you know, help him through every single aspect of, of the job as, a, like I said, an advisor. I think that's what his role is going to be. And I think that's what they are going to do. Something that's kind of exciting too, like Sandy Alderson pieced together a team that went to back-to-back playoff appearances, went to a World Series with a kind of a minimal payroll, not like a full-on New York City quote-unquote payroll. Sandy Alderson with a shit ton of money, that's just an exciting thing. Like just to see, I know he's not going to be the GM, but if he's going to be like a significant front office advisor, like just to see his hand in the the drafting, the scouting, and then the free agency part of it all and having a shit ton of funds, like where it's like, okay, I no longer have to do all this crazy digging. Like I could also now just look at all these top talent in front of my face and be like, 
let's just fucking grab this guy too. It's a very exciting prospect that I didn't really think about before this. And since we are talking, Cohen, I do want to bring up, I saw a tweet that I sent to you uh, about the other uh, Mets bitter contender. That was the, uh, the, the, the J-Rod uh, collective. How I'm so fucking happy that they are not buying this team. And after reading that, I'm even more fucking happy because they said that had A-Rod and J-Lo bought the Mets, that Jeff Wilpon would have stayed on and had a significant role in the organization. Now, there's no quicker way to get uh, every single Mets fan ever to hate you than saying, hey, we're going to keep Jeff Wilpon after buying the team from him. Uh, Thoughts on that uh, terrifying prospect that could have happened? Well, the big thing with that is that it won't happen. And my question, though, about that, before I give you my thoughts, is would Jeff Wilpon have had a bigger role than Brian Urlacher or a lesser role than Brian Urlacher? I want to say he probably would have had a, a somewhere in between Brian Urlacher and Mason Plumley, but maybe not as much as DeMarco Murray. More or less than Bradley Beal? Mm, I would say a little bit less. A little less right. than Bradley Beal. Then I hate the idea, and I'm happy it's not happening. Well, let's move on to our last segment. What is and our last is, segment? That is uh, Random Bet of the Week. Now, Pat, put the soundbite in. Random Bet of the Week. Go. Random Bet of the Week. All right. Please please edit that out. <laughs> our Random Bet of the Week is uh, Dylan G. Now, what are your thoughts on Dylan G? Oh, I hated that soundbite so much. All right. Uh, <laughs> Dylan G was <laughs> Dylan G was on the Mets for like the graveyard, like the graveyard of our Met fandom era. He was on the Mets from 2010 to 2015, and for some reason during that time frame, I was like, "Yeah, Dylan G's not that bad." Looking back at it now, I was like, "Oh my god, Dylan G was garbage." Uh, he was 51 and 48 on his career. He only had like one season with the Mets where his ERA was below a four. Um, you know, I just, I, that, I don't have many thoughts on Dylan G. That one season though, uh, 2013, I'm looking at his stats now, 12 and 11, 362, uh, gave you about 200 innings. Like that's, that's a good season for, for what Dylan G is. It, it is, like you said, it was the period of time where the Mets were absolutely complete garbage. So Dylan, he was like their second best pitcher that year behind Harvey. But like that's a, that's a solid season. Dylan G also had like that weird like goatee thing that hung down like all the way down to here, and that's a really bad thing to visualize when we're a fucking podcast. But imagine <laughs> that I just put my full hand up to my chin and dangled my fingers down from my chin and and waved them below like a turkey. Um, that is kind of what I just visualize like just did on Zoom for the rest of the fellas. He had awful awful facial hair on the Mets and uh, it like blew in the wind as he did like his starts. And it was just, it was a little creepy. He was not the best looking dude. We'll, we'll say that. But what always uh, stood out for me with Dylan G was the fact that he randomly got the opening day start in 2014. Uh, that just, that still doesn't make sense to me. Didn't by that. That was so random. Didn't Dylan G have a blood clot? Uh, I don't remember that. Pat, 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 Pat. Look yes. up. Dylan G. Blood Clot. Well, Pat looks it up. Uh, you know, I always just found that so surprising and, and random that they were like, oh, Dylan G., you're going to go out there for the first game of the season to start off on a high note. 
And, you know, during the, for the Mets' track record, they probably did win because they are really good on opening day for some reason. On the uh, the Royals, yeah, in 2016, he had a blood clot. And I understand what you mean by the goatee. It is, yeah. Thank you. That's part of why I don't remember because it wasn't the Mets. Speaking of another thing, PJ, name the four teams Dylan G pitched for. The Mets, the Royals, the Rangers, and I want to say the Indians. You're wrong. It is the Twins. Mm, I don't remember that. You got three or four, though. Shout out you. I knew for, I knew for a fact. I was like, obviously, the Mets and the Royals. Uh, even before Pat said on the Royals, I knew he was on the Royals. He went to the enemy. Pat, we're kind of wrapping up uh, this episode. We do have the Nationals coming up. Uh, you have any thoughts on Mets Nationals? Uh, yeah, you guys better be ready because uh, if I don't know if you guys know, but uh, the Nationals won today 15 nothing. Absolutely smoked Miami, which I believe is who they played today. Okay. They play, they played Miami. Do, you know, do you know what's going I, on with the Nationals? We don't know, Pat. We, I, was, we watched the Mets. That's what you guys are missing out because the, the hottest team in baseball is uh, – Right now, because they scored 15 runs today of the Washington Nationals. So, uh, no, it's going good. I think uh, Luke Holt. No, not Luke Holt. I don't know. One guy went on IR. That's all I know. I don't know. I'm sorry. This is a train wreck. <laughs> this is why we had you on. I hope I hope national fans listen to this and, like, like try to, like, dis, like this, denounce I'm you. Like, I don't want to, This like, is your fan base representation. I, like, You're representing like, the entire fan base. I myself. I swear I know more. It's when the, the lights are on and the mic's in my hand, I just blank out. I black out for like an hour. Pat, when are you going to share our special news that uh, you're going to have Kevin James on these airwaves for us? That it's a work in progress. One one day, our next our next interview, even before we get Martino on. So you, you heard it from our producer first. Uh, oh, guaranteed shit. interview from <laughs> Kevin James. Uh, if we don't get that, that's on him. You I'll, can I'll, shame him. I'll guarantee I get it before Brian gets Martino. Bet. I'm going to get Andy very Ooh. soon. All right, it's a race. Have a scooter on the big man bet. Let's shake on it. Two completely different people, by the way. This guy. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, but that's, that's the episode. Uh, I always, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, go follow us on Twitter at ScootBigManPod, where we'll be live tweeting games, tweeting out funny memes, uh, you know, just generally interacting. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We're giving game recaps, memes. Some other content I'm, I'm trying to work on uh, getting some more uh, graphics and content up there. Uh, follow us on TikTok, where we are uh, surprisingly blowing up. We're viral. We are very viral. Go, go. Look, we had one, one post go to about like a 20K. So uh, go support us on there. Uh, Brian, anything else you want to say? Uh, no. Pat? Stick around out. Well, that's a that's yeah, a good yeah, that's a good yeah, show, guys. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started. Ah, let's get it started in here. Let's get it started. Fuck Jordan. I didn't I didn't end the recording, so I'm adding that. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh could you bleep his last name? <laughs> Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> All right. But not but not here. <laughs> <laughs>